Welcome here on Mother's Day. We have special guest Tommy Bosworth and his family. Tommy's from Texas. He is a pastor there at Grace Bible Church. Uh, Grace, um, in my life, I've been uh, a pastor for almost 15, 16 years, but in one of those seven-year stints in doing a sabbatical, we went up to uh, Grace Bible Church as to just do church in a different place during that sabbatical. So it's sweet to be uh, with him here on this Lord's Day. And so to catch him up on what we're going through, we're, we're in a series uh, for the semester called Old School Theology. And what we've covered thus far are the Ten Commandments. Uh, we went through all ten of them at a time, and then we looked at the Lord's Prayer. And then next week, for three weeks, we're going to take a look at the Trinity, and we're using the Apostles' Creed. So I know a lot of you have learned that as, as children, maybe even memorized it, but may not have known how biblically solid it was. We're just going to walk through that for three weeks. But today, uh, we're going to take a look at Mama's. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I've done this twice since I've been here at Eagle Bible Church, and um, it's one of those holidays that I'll just introduce it like this. On Mother's Day, we're looking at Proverbs 31, and so every woman in the room is probably going, Mother's Day, Proverbs 31. It used to be easy with Mother's Day. We used to have mothers stand. We would honor them. It's not that easy anymore, and I think for two reasons. The, where the world is heading, uh, we may need to rename this to Caregiver's Day. I don't know. As the world redefines marriage, uh, what's to stop them at redefining a mother, to which I, it still is online, and if you find it online, it has to be true, a woman in relation to a child or children to whom she has given birth. That is what a mother is. And the other reason is some long to be mothers, but for whatever reasons in God's plan, they aren't. And so there's misplaced guilt, uh, feeling unappreciated. Uh, If you're here today, please do not feel guilty and don't find your identity in being a mother. We find our identity in Jesus and understand we appreciate all women, singles, mothers, and widowed. And then when you think of Proverbs 31, I know some women hear this and they crumble under the weight of such high expectations. Maybe you've been taught as a as a young lady, this is the picture of womanhood, and you need to do all of these things in 10 through 31. And if you're not, you're not living up to the standard. The expectations are absolutely high. We're not going to deny that. And no one can live up to them. Not without Jesus' help. And so I'm going to begin with the gospel on one end and talk about it on the other. By God's enabling grace and for God's everlasting glory, Let us realize, mothers, that your calling is high, your position is strategic, and your efforts are worthwhile. A few years ago, I did a sermon on motherhood, and this is the point, and I think it's still apropos today. Motherhood is godly. Just talking about even Paul uses the idea of mother and nurturing and gentleness in talking about his ministry. Motherhood is costly. You you know this. Time, effort, effort. energy. It is costly work, but motherhood is worth the work. And I so hope today as we look at Proverbs 31, you will feel that hope that you would recognize this and live in light of it. And so today we're in Proverbs 31. I've got to set the context. The book of Proverbs breaks down like this. There's a call of wisdom in chapters one through nine, and it's more uh, narrative in its flow. And then the growth of wisdom in chapters 10 through 24 Those are where you get like the Proverbs traditional where you see each one is taken uh, almost by itself. And then there's this wisdom in leadership. 
And oh, in the world we live today, I love the fact that the book of Proverbs, the book about raising kids wisely, the book about parenting ends on leadership, and that leadership is coming from a mother. Proverbs 31.1, the words of Lemuel, the oracle that his mother taught him. And then it's going to talk about this picture, this portrait of a woman. Oh, how the Bible lifts up women. The, the world would say it doesn't. In fact, the way God orchestrated this, if you, if, you were, if you were to go get a Hebrew Bible, you get Proverbs 1 through 31, so it gives you these principles of wife, wise uh, living for a woman. And then right after that is the book of Ruth, which is a picture of that. And she's even declared to be a worthy woman. Same language used in Proverbs 31, uh, 10. And then you get the Song of Solomon. So you get these principles, you get this picture in this wowing passion. And it should be in that order. And this chapter breaks down, you get one through nine, the noble man, which is instructed by his mother as his mother taught him. And then in 10 through 31, uh, you get the picture of a noble woman. And what it's unique about this is it's in a Hebrew acrostic, that every line in here begins with the alphabet of the Hebrew. And so it moves from Aleph all the way to Zion and it goes down. It'd be like us doing A to Z. And maybe you've seen some acrostics before. Here's one I found uh, online. M is for the million things she gave me. O means only that she's growing old. T is for the tears were shed to save me. H is for her heart as pure as gold. E is for her eyes with love light shining. R means right and right shall always be. Oh, mother. And you, you see that and you're like, oh, that is nice. It aids in memory. It captures it in poetry. And these are things we want to praise. And in fact, Proverbs is in the wisdom literature and it is Hebrew poetry. That is the first line and the second line are always connected. The second line somehow uh, is <clears throat> helps the first line, whether it's repeated, added to, or contrasted. And here in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31... This is another thing of what's amazing about God and his special place for women is that this is actually a Hebrew hero's poem that's more often given to a male who comes in from battle. Here it is used to honor a noble woman. Here it is used to honor a noble woman. And so what we're doing is painting a picture here. Not literally. I show you a picture here. The picture of the woman of Song of Solomon. That if you were to read Song of Solomon and take it hyper-literally, that is not a pretty picture. If you were to read, if you're going to read Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, as some have taught and as some have been taught, and you're to take it hyper-literally. We're going to take it literally. We're going to walk through there. You're going to see it. But if you're to take it hyper-literally that you need, that every woman in here has to be doing these things or she is not a woman who fears the Lord, let me just read to you who you have to be. You have to be a woman who is a good businesswoman and has a knack for real estate. You have to be into vineyards. You have to be an entrepreneur who has enough money to buy land, who rarely sleeps. You have to work out your arms. You have to own a sewing machine. You have to make 500-count bed sheets, go to World Market in Silverthorne to get your food, and your husband needs to be a known leader in the community. I'm serious. If we're going to live that out today, this is who you... If you don't sew, right? This is how, unfortunately, if you don't sew, you're not really a, a true woman. I don't think that's what Solomon and God are trying to communicate 
through this. Actually, it's Lem- King Lem- Lemuel. I don't think that's what they're trying to communicate through this passage of Scripture. And I think some quotes here will help. The description is an ideal, and this should be up there for you, and should not be used as a sole standard by which to measure women. It embodies no woman but the desired attributes of many, Trimper Longman in his commentary on Proverbs. John MacArthur says this, a final area of challenge comes in understanding that Proverbs are divine guidelines and wise observations, i.e. teaching underlying principles which are not always inflexible laws or absolute promises. These expressions of general truth generally do have exceptions due to the uncertainty of life and unpredictable behavior of fallen men. God does not guarantee uniform outcome or application of each proverb. Capture that. I think that's a great sentence. If I were to go back and redo, I'm not going to have Bo do it now, but I would have highlighted that right there so you see it. God does not guarantee uniform outcome or application of each proverb. But in studying them and applying them, one comes to contemplate the mind of God, his character, his attributes, his works, and his blessings. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge expressed in Proverbs are hidden in Christ. This is not going to be like Paul, uh, his argument in Romans to be dissected. These are more pearls, pearls of praise on the string of Scripture. And so we're not going to look at this as a legal document. We're going to paint a portrait. Let's call it a biblical standard by a beautiful example. And so it begins in verse 10 that an excellent wife who can find she is more precious than jewels. And what you'll see there is that it begins with an excellent wife and it ends, the, the, the section ends with a woman who fears the Lord. And so if you go back, you can see my main point. An excellent wife or mother is a woman who fears the Lord. And so when we talk about fear, we often do one of two things. We run so quickly from the word that we don't do justice to what the Hebrew and the Greek talk about when they use the word fear. Or we take it to the other extreme and talk about it so severely that anybody who fears the Lord literally walks away going, how am I supposed to do this? Fear, as I can best explain it, you've heard the illustration before is like the Grand Canyon. You don't dance on the edge of it. It is, it is majestic. You go to it. You long to see it. And in the fear of the Grand Canyon, you are careful as you observe its beauty. And when you observe its beauty, you're not thinking about yourself. People who do selfies at the Grand Canyon is awkward. Another illustration, I just, this one came this week and I ran it by my wife, who is a mother, and she thought it would be appropriate that I use it today on Mother's Day, is the gun. A gun. I brought home a gun. It's a small tool, but it's powerful. And I showed it to my my kids. I said, this is a gun, and this is a tool, but it is powerful. We need to rightly approach it. This is a gun. Now, I know that is a very small illustration in how big God is, but I think it communicates that we don't uh, not We don't run from the gun and not use the gun, but we, when we approach the gun, we approach it reverently with fear. We should be careful how we approach the Almighty. And if we properly understand what this means, we don't ever want to get away from Him. We want to get closer to Him because the, the close, closer we are to God, the more we are loved by Him and properly see Him in all of 
his greatness. That is what this book is actually about. If you can see it on the next slide, if you trace it, the fear of the Lord runs through the entire text. It is the beginning of wisdom. It is the turning from evil because you know God is holy. It is the establishment of your confidence. Not only do you turn from evil, but you go towards God and you are confident. It is a fountain of life. Fear shouldn't, shouldn't drive you uh, to be scared of God. It should drive you towards God because He gives you life. And it's more valuable than riches. And we will see that as we walk through these verses on the noble woman. And here we go in verse 10. An excellent or noble wife who can find. Every time I do a wedding, I use Proverbs 18, 22. He, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I normally add to the fella, you have obtained much favor. <laughs> so a noble woman who can find, you can't, it can be found. Proverbs 18, 22 says you can find because it's given from the Lord. This noble wife is from God. She is virtuous. If that's the word you're looking for in the first half of 10, she is virtuous. She is a woman of character. Lemuel doesn't lead. God doesn't lead with physical beauty. It's with character. She is far more precious than jewels. Not only is she virtuous, but she is valuable. This Mother's Day, you may have gotten your mother something, a box of chocolates, $25. A dozen roses, $50. A trip to Bora Bora, thousands of dollars. A woman who fears the Lord, priceless. And what happens? The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will have no lack of gain. If, if it's bookended by this woman of excellence is a woman who fears the Lord, you're going to see a husband who trusts and praises his wife. And then in between, it captures all that's praiseworthy and how she fears the Lord. She is trustworthy. She's proven in her actions. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he'll have no lack of gain. That a husband who invests in his wife and the mother of his children will have no lack of gain. Twelve, she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. That is, if you're looking for a word, she is virtuous, she is valuable, she is trustworthy, she is unselfish. She lives for something bigger than herself, starting with her marriage and then her family, and we'll see as it goes out in, that, in the community in that order. She's unselfish. She's constantly giving of herself. And in 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. I put another verse in here from the Net Bible uh, just to show you what the Hebrew says here. She obtains wool and flax and she is pleased with the work of her hands. She's virtuous, valuable, trustworthy, unselfish, and she is joyful in her position. Sisters in the Lord, my sister, my bride, are, are you joyful? Do you work with, when it says work with willing hands, are you joyful in the position God has called you to? Verse 14, she is like ships of the merchant. She brings food from afar. This doesn't mean you have to, I mean, you could if you're living in gypsum going, honey, I've got to go up to Eagle. Got to go get the food from afar. No, she prepares 
She knows what it takes to provide for her family. She prepares. Every 1st and 15th, at my household at least, uh, there's about an hour where mama doesn't get bothered because she's working through. And it's not easy to plan meals and to put together those lists. She prepares. She is virtuous, valuable, trustworthy, unselfish. She's joyful in what she does, and she thinks ahead. She prepares. Verse 15, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her households and portions for her maids. I could have added to my earlier description that if you don't have servants underneath your care, then you're not the Proverbs 31 woman because it says it right here. And so we have to understand, again, this is a standard by example. And rises while it's yet night. Now, if it's a little easier now in Colorado because the sun comes up at 545, so you can... You can get up. But in the winter, if you're not getting up before the night, that's the question that's always asked. Am I wrong? And I would say, no, no, no. you got to know yourself, ladies. Are you a night owl or an early bird? If you're a night owl, then do your preparation and your provision the night before in a sense of getting ready for the day the night before. If you're an early bird, get up early. The key is, do you provide... And do you understand putting, being a good time manager? More on that in a minute. She's preparation. She's a provider. 16, she considers a field and buys it. She thinks it through and with, her, with the fruit of her hands. So she, she has made some money and she's going to use that money to purchase land. And then she plants a vineyard. She's a vintner. She's a planner. She prepares. She provides. And for her to provide, she's got to plan. She plans her work. She works her plan. And notice when she buys something, she's frugal and practical. She's not just buying to accumulate, but she's buying something that will be useful and productive. That is, she makes the most of what she has. She's virtuous. She's a woman of character. She's priceless. She's valuable. She's trustworthy. She's unselfish. She's joyful. She prepares. She provides and she plans. And here we come to one of the only two verses on her physical description. She dresses herself with strength and she makes her arms strong. This is the only physical description in this section. So women, do curls. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do curls. That's not what that means. The emphasis, you notice, is not on her physical appearance but her character. But she's a strong woman. She knows she strengthens herself to take care of everyone else. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So, so if you're going to take this hyper-literally, if she rises while it's still dark and doesn't go out at night, she's only getting a certain amount of sleep. And I know, I know, ladies love their sleep. So are you a night owl? Are you a morning or an early bird? You've got to figure that out. She's beneficial is what this verse is about. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. She, she's a benefit. Men, can I get an amen to that? That your wives, your wives who are mothers are a benefit. They're hardworking. That's what it means, her lamp doesn't go out at night. She's hardworking. She gets things done. Verse 19, she puts her hand to the distaff. Her hands hold the spindle. Do you have a sewing machine? <laughs> No, the idea is she is skilled. Some people are skilled in gardening. Some 
people are skilled in building. Some are skilled in sewing. Praise the Lord. We had a, we had a women's uh, event the other night to, to learn that. It's awesome. But that doesn't mean if you don't sew, you're not the Proverbs 31 woman. I remember my pastor back in Texas, his wife, Teresa, she builds chicken coops. She could care less about sewing, but she used her skill to be productive. And now they have eggs because she's out building chicken coops. And Tommy is the gardener. Okay? That's how it is in their family. I neither build chicken coops nor garden. I just mow lawns. That's what I do. So she is skilled. She's beneficial to get that done. She's skilled. But it doesn't stop just with her household or her, her husband or her household. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. This is a truly religious woman. If I were, I don't have it up there, but if I were to go to James 1, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. This woman is compassionate. She reaches out to the less fortunate. Verse 21, she is not afraid of the snow, of snow for her household. Why? For all her household are clothed in scarlet. She is proactive. She's planned ahead. She's skilled. At least this woman is skilled in making clothes. And so she's not afraid. Oh, it's going to snow? No big deal. My family is taken care of. She's proactive. Verse 22, she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. What what the idea behind this is, is this fine linen and purple is that she does things with excellence. Not only is she beneficial and skilled and compassionate and proactive, but when she does it, she does it with excellence. There's a touch to when my wife does something around the house that's just a little bit better than what I do because she's excellent. And thus, in 23... Her husband is known in the gates, more on that in a minute, when she sits among the elders of the land, that she is a helper. Her husband is, it has the opportunity to go out and be a leader in the community because he understands this is a husband we've already discerned, that he trusts her and he leaves the household in her care. He goes out and he is a leader in community. I'll read to you what Longman says on this. The implication is that her husband can achieve such a significant status only with the support of his wife. She takes care of the household and he works into the community. Her reputation also enhances his. You notice they complement one another. They don't compete with each other. They're not in this for equality. That's why we preach and promote complementarity here. There's something valuable about taking care of the home. There's something valuable about leaders having wives that compliment them. When we select elders, we watch and we want to know who the wives are. And so the husband is allowed to, not allowed, but the husband can now is enabled to go do things outside the home because he understands his wife does things inside the home. And you notice she plants vineyards. She's out doing things. So it's not like she is those 1950s things where she's just with a mop and never leaves the house. That's not what we're promoting. It's not what the Bible promotes. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. How do you sell them? You got to get outside the house. And she delivers sashes to the merchant. She's industrious. That's the key word there. She's industrious. My mom was a supervisor of accounting at, at a major pipeline company. 
but she also came home and did her work at the home. She actually coached my brother in soccer for a few seasons. My wife's mother was a nurse and then at home with the kids and it was back to being a nurse and then retired and she's still a nurse and so she's still doing things and serving the community. Both are workers at home. The danger with this verse is too many egalitarians will take this and say, see, we can be out, we can be selling. Absolutely. But I think back to a ministry that I, to some degree, was forced to take over at Denton Bible Church one year, the Young Marriage Ministry. They asked me to take it over because the guy that was overseeing it, he and his wife were going through a divorce. One of the reasons, not the only reason, one of the reasons is she did have some aptitude in the industry to buy and sell things. She did have this, but her goal was that over her family and that created a distance between her and her husband and they got a divorce because she was pursuing being a CEO of a finance company. Is that wrong? If, you're not aware, if, it, if it takes away from your husband and your household, maybe, most assuredly. And so I often get the question, I oversaw a singles ministry for seven years when the singles would read this. Well, what do I do? I'm not married yet, nor in in the young marriage, we don't have kids yet. There's three ways to approach corporate America. Absolutely. If you're a single and you don't have kids in the house, go help make money. And the way I always said it is try to live off your husband's income and pay down debt if you have to, but learn to live on less. If you're working in corporate America, are you working to make ends meet? Because that's a necessity. We got to do that. Or are you working to keep up a standard of living? We want to live in this house. We want to own these toys and we want to have this. My encouragement in that would be reconsider. And if it's a season of life, if you're a mother who's raised kids and they're out of the house, you can only vacuum so much, right? I mean, that's what my wife, and I, you say, well, I have to do the vacuuming. No, I do the vacuuming at our house. It's indoor mowing. But my wife, it is. Have you not tried it, gentlemen? You go up the room and back down the room. Up the room, it's great. And I, I just need a break after I mow. <laughs> but my wife mentioned that to me back before her kids. She said, I can only do so much around the house. I need to get out and do something. So nobody, so the Bible is saying, I'm saying, nobody in their right mind is saying women can't be efficient outside the home. Don't hear that. But your main job is at the home, and you'll see that here in just a minute. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. Proverbs, it's not up there, but I wanted to read it to you. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. And that is what's communicated here. Strength and dignity are her clothing. It's great to be hip and trendy, but dignity should be your clothing. Look at 1 Timothy. And she laughs at the time to come. She, she is confident about the future because she's been that virtuous, valuable, unselfish, joyful, providing, planning woman who is beneficial and skilled. She just... She doesn't worry about the future. Her proactivity allows her not to worry. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. This is one of the only, I think it's the only reference to her 
how she communicates, and when she opens her mouth, it is wise. And when she teaches and talks, it is kind. She is neither foolish nor a gossip. Often I'll come home and Asher will ask me about the day and I tell her and, you know, I said, I asked this question or that. She then opens her mouth in wisdom and gives me three or four more questions that I should have asked. I'm like, why don't you just come with me next time? (laughs) We don't have to do this. She opens her mouth and then she teaches with kindness. She talks and when she teaches, it's just kind. That is her speech. She's confident and she's a good speaker. She's a good communicator. And in 27, here's nearing the end, kind of the crescendo. She looks well to the ways of her household. So this is what I always teach, just like we read up in Titus 2. Absolutely, the Bible is freeing for women. Go, do whatever that God's gifted you to do, but you must be. And you must look after the ways of your household. You must, as Titus say, be a worker at home. It looks different for every woman. So there's not, we don't want to paint the picture of one, it looks different for different families. But it starts in your home and then through the church and then to the world. She does not eat the bread of idleness. She's not a busybody, as Timothy talks about, but she's diligent and productive. And there's a difference. There's a big difference between being busy and being productive. So what do others say about her? Her children rise up and call her blessed. I forgot. I was, trying, I was going to get up early this morning and tell my kids so I could use that illustration in this. Hey, kids, go in there and call your mother blessed. But I forgot. So do that when you get home, okay? And me, her husband, also praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. I don't know how many times I've written that on sticky notes and in cards, but God has put it right there in Scripture that men, if your wife is following through and fulfilling this, write it. Write it often and let her know that she is loved. Let her know that she is loved. Tell her you love her. Tell her often that you love her. Do not fall prey to that one guy who said, I told you I loved you. When they first got married, they'd been married for 50 years. I told you I loved you on the day we got married, and nothing's changed. That's not what we do. You, you have your kids. Tell her they love her. We sit around the uh, dinner table. I said, kids, what do we say to mommy for making dinner? And Lauren's like, well, I don't want to say it when you say it because then it becomes just this mechanical thing. I want to say it when it comes to my heart. And often I hear when we're putting dishes away, mom, thanks for making dinner. We let her know she is blessed. We let her know she is excellent. Bookends, she's noble. Many do that, but you surpass them all. She's loved. And it ends almost with 30. Charm is deceitful. It can, be, it can hide a wicked heart. And beauty is in vain. It can fade. It can. Side note, little sermon within a sermon. Husbands, your wife is your standard of beauty. Your wife is your standard of beauty. It's a wonderful thing. We don't compare. We know, God, you've given me this woman at this time. She is my standard of beauty. Charm can be deceitful. Beauty is in vain. Vain literally means quickly passing. It fades. It's true, ladies. It's just true. I'm not as good looking as I once used to be. And it's all fading. But what's 
greater than that, right? What's greater than that? Timothy says it best. I don't have it up there. What's greater than that is what Timothy calls women to be adorned with. <clears throat> women should adorn themselves in with... Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair, gold or pearls, or costly attire. So another sermon for another day is just there are certain ways that women should dress on the outward appearance. But what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works, let a woman <clears throat> is this desirable heart that God, the imperishable quality of a quiet spirit. And that doesn't mean you can't be bubbly and, and talkative. Don't, don't hear that. But it's, it's the inner beauty. I have a video. I didn't put it up there because she is sitting with us this morning. But I have a video of my little girl from when she was two. We were at home at my mother's house in Tulsa. And it was about Christmas time. And everybody's sitting around. I'm like, where's Lauren? So I go down the hallway. And there she is in Sammy's bathroom, putting on lipstick, brushing her hair. And so I go get the camera. I'm filming this. And I'm watching. I'm not saying anything. And this is what's beautiful. Filming it. And then I come in. I said, oh, there she is. I said, what are you doing? She goes, making myself beautiful. At two. At two. And I said, where does true beauty come from? My heart. And then, as if on cue, she breaks out into Amazing Grace. Starts singing. It's awesome. It's the cool. That will be played. We were at a wedding this weekend. That will be played. So I'm just letting you know now. Um, that's going to be played. So just, but train them young. Where does beauty come from? My heart. My heart. And that begins as this verse ends with a woman who fears the Lord. She is to be praised, lifted up. And so the woman who fears the Lord, I have a kind of summary, because you, you can get lost in all those words I gave you. Like, I didn't write them all down. Here's a summary. I think this captures all the verses. The woman who fears the Lord trusts God in her unique position. Ladies, God doesn't make mistakes. He created some of us as men and some of us as women. God doesn't make mistakes. And as he created you a woman, he knew exactly who you were, what you needed. He's created you and he, he has overseen your life. He doesn't make mistakes. You trust him in your unique position. God's creativity is sovereign. In the beginning, God created. God's, God's creative activity is special. He created them male and female. We are different. We are not the same. And He created them special. We're in His image and specific, male and female. Sovereign, special, and specific. Trust God in your unique position. I can't fulfill your position. Other men in here can't fulfill your position. I'll just use one illustration that's pretty obvious. We can't have babies. Okay? Now, I know there are people in France. Go to, go to France if you want to get crazy. Trying to do this. Males trying to have babies. That's awkward at best. 
at best. It's awkward. But that's something special. Trust God in your unique position. Exemplify God. She exemplifies God in her righteous character. Morally, she is upright. Intellectually, she considers a field. Physically, she is strong. Everything about her is representative of God. She is a helper to her husband. I could take you to different psalms and show that God is a helper. That it is divine, it's a divine thing to be a woman and to be a mother. And that she glorifies God in her profitable work. That doesn't mean it has to be monetary. It means we're beneficial with whatever God's given us. You don't have to have a job to be a, a, God, a woman who glorifies God. She goes from afar and gets her food. She works with her hands. She rises early. She works late. She just glorifies God in her profitable work. And she testifies to God in her compassionate mission. That she starts with her husband who trusts her, who praises her, who loves her. She takes care of her family and those under her care. And then she goes and she helps the less fortunate. And so she works in her home and in her circle of influence. And so that is the Proverbs 31 woman, as some have been taught. And some of you may be thinking, well, I have failed. I don't trust God. I've not glorified God. My example is more like the world, and I find myself more concerned with luxuries and being trendy than those who need necessities. Well, I have some good news for you. Jesus died for all our failures, men and women. Titus 3, 1 through 7 says this. Remind them. This is just a reminder, right? You already know this. That all of us should be, and so women in their unique roles should be, submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil to no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. That's one. Can I just give you a little sermon with another sermon within a sermon? Uh, Every woman in here has a unique position in a unique family. And one of the things, if I've just heard over the years of being here and in ministry back in Texas, don't compare yourself to other mothers. Don't compare yourselves to other wives. Please, I encourage you. God has made you unique. You can read the scriptures and how you faithfully live that out will look different. We get in trouble when we start comparing ourselves in envy. Well, if I did it like that, don't do that. If, we, if this were Father's Day, I'd be saying the same thing to fathers. But mothers, you're special. God has made you special and you've got you in a special family. Stay faithful to the scripture. Comparison ruins contentment but when the goodness so we we failed at all those things but when the goodness and the loving kindness of god our savior appeared he saved us so you may be thinking why i haven't lived out proverbs 31 if you're there if you're here today and you're a woman and you say i haven't lived out proverbs 31 can i comfort you (laughs) no woman's lived out proverbs 31 who's sitting here today you're all in the same boat And I'm in the same boat because I didn't live out Proverbs 31, 1 through 9. 
We have all failed and fallen short of the glory of God. But He saved us. Now here's the key. Not because of works done in righteousness. It's not because of your good mothering that you will stand before God. But according to His own mercy. How? By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, so that being justified by His grace, there it is, we might become heirs. Titus is a wonderful book. In chapter 1, there's a gospel nugget right there at the introduction. In chapter 2, it gives all those things of what older men, older women, younger men, younger women should be. And then another gospel nugget. And then it begins chapter 3 before it says to go to the world. He saved us and we've been justified by grace. You will never be justified by your mothering. I will never be justified by my fathering, my pastor, and we are justified by his grace. And when we know that and we bow the knee and he becomes our king, we get his mind. And Colossians 2, 3 says that in whom, that is in Jesus, are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so this wisdom that Proverbs 31 gives us is hidden in Jesus. So be encouraged, women. You're right. You can't live out Proverbs 31. But by God's grace and for His glory and by the power of the Spirit working in you, you then can live it out. And so what should we do with a woman who lives that out? You're thinking, he forgot a verse. I didn't forget a verse. I saved it. Saved it for the end, right there. Proverbs 31, 31. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Her husband's known in the gates. She should be known in the gates. So this, the Bible is phenomenal. I'm trying to think of big words now of holding up both men and women. We're told in this culture that the Bible tears women down. It does not. The husband is known in the gates. The woman should be known in the gates and we should reward her. Give her the fruit of her hands. Ladies, do not buy into the world's definition of womanhood. A woman who loves her husband, takes care of her household, and does where God, what God has given her, she'll be rewarded. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, as I see in the papers, jockeying to make women CEOs and soldiers as if that is what's special. That is not special, and a CEO and a soldier would tell you that's not special. What is special is to live in the unique position that God has given you and men. We should publicly praise that respectfully and we should give her the fruit of her hands. Take her to lunch. Right? It's Mother's Day. They're not cooking. Take them to lunch. If you need a little money, talk to Kinzer. He'll help you. I'm just kidding. I'll help you out. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Right? Don't use the fact, oh, honey, you're priceless. I can't get you a gift because that, no, that would just... No, no, no. Get her something. Flowers, a card. Get her something. Give her the fruit of her hands. She deserves it. By grace and for glory. Not because of her own works, but because of God's work through her. Father, thank you for all the sweet women in this room. They're, they're different, each one of them. Some of them are quieter introverts. Some of them are more extroverts and talkative, but each one you've created sovereignly, but you created them. You created them special in your image, and you created them specific as females. You've given them a wonderful, strategic role to play on this earth, 
Might they walk out of here today encouraged in that role to be virtuous and valuable and to give it their all. Father, we know motherhood is godly. Father, we know motherhood is costly. And Father, by your grace and for your glory, we know it's worth the work. Enable them to do what they cannot do on their own so that the world would be changed one child at a time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.